that's something I miss a little bit about working a job where you have a list of things you got to do and someone else is holding you accountable. When you're an entrepreneur, no matter what, you're going you're to feel like you could be doing something. Welcome to the Saul Good Media Podcast, a podcast that explores what it is that drives each of us to do what we do. I'm your host, Solomon Harvey, and I started this podcast because I began to develop a strong curiosity about the forces that were driving my decisions. So for the last eight months, I've been asking questions, talking to people like you about what inspires you. Why do you do what you do? And since this is a pretty broad topic and we live in a world with a variety of different people with a dynamic range of passions, each episode is slightly different from the other. So if you're new to the show, consider subscribing if you want to be updated as new episodes are released Mondays at 8 a.m. Today, I'm excited to introduce Tyler Murray, who I met at BlissFest this year. BlissFest is a music festival held in northern Michigan, and Tyler was vending his handmade nylon ripstop hammocks when I wandered into his booth. We started talking about what it's like being an entrepreneur and some of the ups and downs that come with being your own boss. Tyler's business is called Skyline Hammock Company, and given the fact that it's based in Michigan, where the seasons change, and surprisingly people don't want to buy hammocks as much in the wintertime, Tyler explained to me how he makes a living on the off-season. Believe it or not, in just two months of flipping things on eBay, Tyler makes more money than I've ever made in an entire year working at a normal job. Uh, But before you jump to conclusions, this number didn't happen overnight and Tyler's been at it for quite some time. But stick around because later on in this episode, we'll get into some tips and tricks on how you can get started selling things on eBay by just simply listing some common household items that you probably already have lying around your house. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to take a second and acknowledge a fundraiser for Harper, who is a girl that lives in Tyler's hometown of Lake City, Michigan. Harper has been experiencing some health issues And so Tyler created a line of pink hammocks with the hashtag HarperStrong on them to raise funds to help Harper and her family through these tough times. So if you'd like to show your support, I'll have a direct link in the description. And if you'd like to buy a hammock for a friend or a family member, um, you can get one there and the funds go to Harper and her family. So thank you, Tyler, for doing this. I'm sure it means the world to Harper. To kick off the show today, Tyler, how would you like to introduce yourself? Well, I'm Tyler. I uh, started the Skyline Hammock Company. Um, we sew hammocks in Michigan and uh, travel around Michigan selling them. I imagine everybody knows what a hammock is, but what style of hammock? Yeah, like um, nylon uh, hiking and camping hammocks, ripstop nylon hammocks. What was the trajectory for you? Did you just start playing around with fabric? How did you start that so i was big into hammocking and I, I had a little bit of knowledge about sewing but i was i like i i think i can make one of these and i was i was in grand rapids michigan downtown i pulled into this fabric store bought some ripstop nylon took it back home made a hammock turned out pretty good so i um learned how to sew with that nylon and from there just started making hammocks do you need a specific type of machine to sew nylon or is it pretty much a standard no you you can use like your average home sewing machine but the way we do it now we use like industrial juki machines so you you definitely need a if you're going to do it on a mass scale you're going to need some industrial sewing machines and then like how do you take 
sewing fabric and making hammocks and turn it into a business because you've been in business for how long now about five years five years yes yeah four or five years but i've been making hammocks for about seven okay so you start building an inventory giving them to friends Mm -hmm. yeah testing them out a little bit yeah started selling them to people in my hometown and eventually i sold so many i was like i need to start a business with this you know i need to i need to take it somewhere because i had faith in it you know at that point it just i just sold enough where i had faith in it like i didn't I didn't start making hammocks to start a business. I, I started making hammocks because I enjoyed it. And I feel like a lot of a lot of businesses start out that way. I think any successful business starts out that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I feel like anything like that can become work at one point, you know, and I just want to keep enjoying it, you know, and focus on enjoying what I'm doing. I feel like that's a big part of life. Yeah. So could you catch us up from when you started to what the production looks like now? Okay, so I started, I was in a small apartment downtown Lake City uh, working for, I worked for FedEx Ground. And um, so I had a uh, a home sewing machine, a Bernina sewing machine. It's just like a your basic making quilts type sewing machine mm-hmm. that I bought for resell, like to resell it on eBay. But I ended up not selling it because I was slightly interested in sewing and so I would order these nylons by or a nylon roll by the bolt. We'd lay the bolt on the floor in this apartment, which is pretty small. So um, like yeah, we'd just roll the bolt out on the floor and cut it with scissors on our knees. It sucked. Yeah, so we rolled that out on the floor, and then I would um I would sew it with you that. You said we, so who? So my girlfriend would help me okay. when I first started because I was working at FedEx too. So that's like 10, 12 hours a day. Right. So you come home and sewing, you know, especially if you. I mean, in that in making hammocks back then, it was slow. So like, mm-hmm. it, I I don't, I don't really think I was making money after everything was done back then. You know, I was just trying to uh, trying to get something going. You know, and having like anything anything you start, I feel like you're, there's gonna be a ton of things telling you to stop. You know, and so if if you're not making money, that's telling you to stop. But you know, at a certain point, you you you'll figure it out. Yeah. So rolling these out on the floor cutting it with scissors on your knees and then taking it to this machine that I thought was decent speed at the time, but it was, it was really slow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we just had one machine to, um, do everything instead of multiple machines that had a a certain purpose, you know? So like, what is the most challenging part about building each hammock for, or at that time? That time? Yeah. Um, okay. So like a single hammock, ours not not every company out there but ours are solid color so the most challenging part about making hammocks back then was making a double hammock and so a wider hammock and you'd have to add fabric onto the side and to do that you'd have to create a flat seam which it's they call it a french seam but it's it's just a seam that looks good from both sides okay and that is horrible if you don't have the right machine. It takes a long time. And that's what we were just talking about, right? The yeah. machine that you need. Yeah, to yeah, that machine that has two needles in it. It's got a folder on it, and it folds the fabric, like, over itself. And that was always, like, one of my biggest problems. Even getting that machine, because off the bat, like, I knew that machine was expensive. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know how far I was going to take it, you know? So I was just like... Do I do I want to spend that much on a sewing machine? You How know? much did something like that run you? Um, that that machine's right around five thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah, which I mean, it's like the machine isn't 
that much it's it's getting someone to custom make a folder because like there's people there's not people in the united states not a ton of them that are sewing flat seams like mm -hmm. that on a production scale because like the only people doing that particular seam are like uh parrot shoe makers and um tent makers gotcha and there's not a lot of that in the u.s anymore you know gotcha. so how many were you able to crank out back then back then it was like one a night or it, it, i could i could do like so I, I was thinking about an hour to make a hammock okay if not a little bit more than that okay so it depends how much i wanted to work like if i had orders that needed to go out back then um so before i had a bunch of orders i eventually bought a juki machine and i just had a single needle so i still didn't have that machine that could like fold it over it was just a faster sewing machine back when mm. so i had that and that that's that speeded up a little bit so that helped out so i eventually bought that which too long i i think about a year to two years into it i um i eventually bought that machine okay that first single needle juki machine okay yeah and then um started making more how did people find out about you was it just social media uh mainly my hometown so like they are the ones who made this possible they were just buying hammocks from me they enjoyed them you know and they loved that they were made in lake city so i think that's incredible i mean to, i'm really interested in how businesses start mm -hmm. and sort of the passion behind certain businesses yeah. and for me working a day job that i wasn't passionate about it was really hard to put in the hours yeah but when is. you're really passionate about something it's like you want to do it you look mm -hmm. forward to doing it after mm -hmm. a 10 12 hour day you, yeah you're excited about it yeah yeah and so to hear how that has developed and it wasn't about like how much money can i make doing this mm -hmm. it's this pull that is pulling you in this direction of like hey yeah. more people want them more people want them yeah and it's cool to hear that like it's possible to be supported in a small community yeah focusing on something you love and putting in the hours it is a lot of hours and it even if you you love it it can it can turn into work like i said so right. yeah just enjoying it enjoy enjoying the chase because like i i've heard that like the chase is where the true passion is because mm -hmm. then once you hit your goal you know you're, you're ready to go to something next you want you, as humans we just want we want bigger and better you know so you want right. you're always in the chase is where you got to really sit back and enjoy it so are you do you still feel that chase do you feel like where you guys sit now with skyline is that yeah yeah um enjoying the chase is still still part of it you know yeah and i think i think it it always will be and where's your production level now what do you so so we have like? uh we have four industrial machines now and um it's just me and another girl sewing. My girlfriend's sister sews with me, and uh, we just got the right machines, and we can make a lot of hammocks. So our production level is quicker than what we can sell. It's just like we've been, we've been, she's been sewing for about two years with me, and I've been sewing so long that, well, like seven years, I've been using sewing machines. So we're we're fast at it. What's the time it takes now? Um, we we can probably make a single hammock in like five to seven minutes and then wow. a double hammock 10 to 15 -ish. that's amazing yeah that's yeah. incredible mm -hmm. so i mean for people that might be interested in checking out your website and getting some of your your hammocks um what is it that you feel kind of sets your, your stuff apart you um know? one is made in michigan you know we yeah. we do the production ourselves and uh i i own the company and so so you know you get the the owner seeing every product and i, I feel like that really helps with quality for sure and 
we're, we're using a different material, ripstop nylon, than a lot of uh, hammock companies are using, using Tafeta nylon, and it stretches. So, you don't, you like our hammocks are comfy to sleep overnight in. I mean, not saying that a Tafeta nylon hammock isn't comfy, but I mean, they're, they are comfy, but you can, you can lay a lot flatter and for sleeping overnight, that is, that is where it's at. I have yet to have a completely comfortable night's sleep. So I'm going to have to try out where yeah. you're at. Uh, it's a, a skill to sleep overnight in a hammock. Like, yeah, it's something you learn. I actually, so I was at Hoxieville the last three days, so I slept in a hammock for three nights straight. Yeah. Well, last night I did not, but yeah, I I uh, slept in a bed last night. It was perfect. <laughs> after after sleeping at a music festival yeah. with a bunch of people being loud, it's nice to uh, go sleep in a bed again. Yeah, so your lifestyle has been, throughout the summertime, you are pretty much at every music festival or yeah. event you can go to, is that right? Yeah, uh, pretty much music festival, events. Uh, we go to the Grayling Canoe Marathon, uh, all sorts of events. If if I don't get a weekend filled up, I'm trying to fill it. Because that, that's where a lot of our sales come from is events. Like we have a website and we get online sales and I feel like they're they're coming from the events I go to. Mm. So people I meet at the events. Yeah, I feel like word of mouth even though it sounds like the least amount of exposure, that's mm -hmm. what's going to get quality customers. You know, yeah. if somebody tries your product, they love it, they tell somebody about it, mm -hmm. and then yeah. they're going to look you up. And... Yeah, I feel like stories can really sell stuff too. You know, if they know your story and where you came from, and I feel like that can help sell a product. Stor yeah, definitely. Stories definitely help with products for sure. Growing up, did you have family support in this endeavor, or was this kind of your own direction that you just sort of picked up and started so going this, for this is definitely out of the you know path of what my uh, family would be doing yeah so my dad like kind of co-owns a uh industrial insulation company and uh he's not into like the entrepreneurial thing he likes to he likes the simple life i guess yeah and just sometimes being an entrepreneur is not so simple yeah and then my mom's just worked for someone her whole life. So it's it's out of the uh, normal realm of things for my family. Have they been supportive? Yeah, very supportive for nice. sure. That's definitely helpful mm -hmm. when you're pursuing. My, my dad, like, he won't he won't let me give him anything. He'll buy it from my business. Anything I make, he, he buys it. It's, so that's, that's nice. I'll take that. <laughs> I was uh, just watching an interview with Elon Musk talking yeah. about Tesla and he was saying, you know, I pay full price for all of all the cars that I drive and I think there's something, you know, to set that example and Yeah. But I mean it definitely doesn't help hurt to be the, the owner of a company if you've got, you know, inventory that you can gift for people for mm -hmm. holidays or yeah, yeah, use but, for your own. Yeah, you can you can save money giving away some uh some product, but I uh I heard a entrepreneur tell me you can give yourself into bankruptcy too. That's very true. Yeah, so you gotta watch doing that too much. I'm pretty strict with like what I give away and stuff, but there there's always moments to give away stuff. I I um I don't. There's a video on our Facebook where I give a kid a hammock over the Fourth of July in Lake City the year before this past July. Okay. And you should watch that video. It's pretty. Well, I'll link it in the description. Of this All right. Yeah. Check Good it out because it's it's pretty heartwarming. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And then, so where you are for now, right now, in terms of production, um, where do you see Skyline? Are you going to keep expanding your products, keep doing the same thing? Um, what do you 
What do you see over the next five years? Um, I, I would like to add in new things to Skyline, and uh, that's a process no matter what. So mm-hmm. it, it's hard to do. You got like it, if you make something, you got to source where it's coming from, like all the different just little clips and different stuff, carabiners. So anything new you want to make, it's it's a hassle to get it done. Then you got to get like product pictures and hammocks aren't easy to take product photos of for sure they're huge yeah so it's a process to get get stuff rolling but yeah i definitely want to expand and grow you and what are some of your other offerings currently besides hammocks so we we currently make hammocks and then the straps that go to the hammocks to hook them to trees and we just started making a hammock, which is the largest. Uh, this was last week. We actually got this. It's the largest ripstop nylon hammock you can buy. It's We call it the Mac Daddy. Nice. You should check it out. It's sweet. How long is this? It's 20 feet by 10. It's, Holy crap. Yeah, it's probably the most comfy hammock you'll ever sleep in. Yeah, you, you could sleep in that one good, for sure. So this is the only, you're the only person offering something like this? There's another company that makes one they they call it the mammic which we we originally like we made one a while back and we were calling it the mammic but then um when i was looking for a name for this hammock someone actually off my uh facebook page i asked them what should we call this because originally wanted to go with the mammic but then i googled the mammic and there's another company that makes the mammic so we can't call it that gotcha. so so we we called mac it daddy's pretty the, good yeah the mac daddy it's catchy yeah, yeah i like it yeah nice i'm gonna have to try that out sometime yeah I got it with me. Nice. You can hook it up. All right, cool. <laughs> we should take a picture of it. We should, definitely. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the Harper Strong hammock okay, on your so, website. Yeah, this uh, girl in my hometown, Lake City, and it, like I said, they've showed some huge support for us. So we're trying to raise some money for Harper and her family. So Harper, I'm not, I don't know the, um, I don't know it, what's going on exactly, but I know she she had some sort of infection or something like that and she's she's in rough shape in the hospital right now so i a lot of people in our hometown are coming together and trying to raise money for harper so that's incredible mm-hmm. and uh we i posted i made that post right there and we got like 300 shares and just a ton of exposure for it we, we didn't sell that many so i'm gonna take a different avenue on that we might donate some more money a different way okay yeah i, I don't know maybe i don't know maybe someone doesn't want a pink hammock or something, but we're, I'll figure out a way so it's to a sell. Pink, it's a pink hammock. Yeah, well, it says Harper Strong on it, but nice. we're, I'm going to I'm gonna take another avenue with that one. Throughout this process and just like growing up, did you have any role models in terms of somebody that was doing something like this? or? Um. Yeah, I always read, read about um, these big entrepreneurs and stuff, and you take little things that they say and try to try to focus it into your own life. But I mean, each person's their own person, you know, so it, something like something someone else does, like something Elon Musk does, um, his work ethic might not suit you and it might stress you out very badly, you know, so you got to watch that because I, so when I was working for FedEx, obviously you had to do something different to, um, to get to a different level, you know, so you have to not necessarily a different level, but get maybe get out of a situation you don't like you're going to have to be uncomfortable, I guess. You're going to have to miss out on some sleep or something like that. And uh, you're going to get home from work and normally you'd maybe go go relax somewhere, go watch some TV or something, and th- that's going to go away if you want to grow, you know, and maybe get out of your uh, get out of your job or 
whatever you, if you don't want to work your job a lot of people love their jobs but in a lot of people don't want to be entrepreneurs or they've done it before and they don't like it but i i think there's a there's a lot of freedom that being an entrepreneur can offer and can offer a life some people like they go to be an entrepreneur and they find out that they it's hard to keep yourself working when you, no one's telling you what to do so i would suggest like maybe taking some days off work some vacation time and see if you can work on your own without someone telling you what to do mm -hmm. because some it's just it's it's a different lifestyle for sure and nobody's holding you accountable yeah nobody's gonna you know tell be there telling <clears throat> you to do to follow through and... and that's that's something i miss a little bit about working a job where you you have a list of things you got to do and you're always someone else is holding you accountable and when you're an entrepreneur <clears throat> you're no matter what you're gonna, you're gonna feel like you could be doing something you know and you can get out at five at a normal job and you're, you're free from that where if you're an entrepreneur you might you might not feel like that you're not gonna get that free feeling you're gonna uh you're gonna get out at five and be like i could be doing this to make this grow you're, you're always gonna want to be growing and if you're not working you're not gonna feel like you're growing so I feel like being an entrepreneur, you're gonna have to, you have to deal with that, not feeling free from your job on the weekend and stuff. I think just that desire to grow, because mm -hmm. otherwise you are kind of stagnant in, you know, get home from work, relax, yeah, go back, do it again, and there's not really any growth factor. Yeah, and so when you start to, you know, take the time to do that, it's gonna be non-stop i mean you're gonna just be focusing on it all the time mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and there's fun things about that too and and like being an entrepreneur you can adjust your schedule sometimes like i don't i don't like working the same hours every day like we're not gonna start at five o'clock at night but we we'll start in between six and nine you know and we 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 adjust that you know We'd, we don't have to go in at a certain hour you know we like to switch it up and i think i think that can be good mm-hmm throughout this process of you know working for yourself and everything like that what would you go back if you could go back now and tell yourself just starting out and give yourself a little bit of advice what do you think you would tell yourself i would tell myself a ton of things i've lost money on <laughs> to start with don't like do what? that what? um <clears throat> let me think of stuff oh um sometimes you buy a roll of nylon that you might not need and they a lot of times they're you're paying over a thousand dollars per roll or something you know so i've i bought quite a few rolls i didn't need and shouldn't have bought or stuff like that you know so i've, I've thrown some money in the trash i've went to events where i've lost a decent amount of money in a weekend over a thousand dollars in a weekend so yeah and being an entrepreneur you're not always going to make money too you're going to have them losses so yeah just focus on the wins and uh when you when you lose you, you it hurts as an entrepreneur you know so yeah that'll tear you apart so you, you gotta gotta forget that stuff you know remember that it happened figure out why try to focus on why it happened and try to focus on not letting that happen again you know big learning experience oh yeah i've had some yeah i mean so why you know is it not the right color nylon not the right type of nylon type you, sometimes you're lacking the knowledge so you buy a certain role that you think will um work with like a certain thing you're doing and it doesn't mm. so yeah you, you, you're gonna lose money sometimes and then the businesses the business side of things 
when you're at a festival and you're losing money, what are, where are you losing money and why? <clears throat> just because it costs to... Yeah, some, some events can cost. I've never paid this much for an event, but I've been quoted $15,000 for a week to be at an event. You Holy know? crap. Yeah, so that that is i'm not gonna say which event because a lot a lot of people listening might know what event it is but it's in michigan and um yeah some events i i've paid as much as a thousand dollars for a weekend to be somewhere so you you rely on making money at that event and sometimes you don't make money at an event you you book the wrong event and uh the more i'm out doing this going to events i know where to go and where not to go at this point so this has been about five years of this you've been doing every weekend throughout the no, summer so no i i've been going to events for about two and a half years okay yeah cool. so um mainly we're, that makes sense as yeah you've grown yeah. yeah yeah so me and my buddy were um a few years ago we're sitting in a uh a diner in lake city my buddy stormy's a engineer and he's he's helped me with skyline quite a bit me and him were sitting in a diner and i don't know who brought it up but we're you you interviewed uh seth bernard Uh, So he owns and runs the Earthworks Harvest Gathering. Right. And um, it was two weeks before that event started. And we're sitting in this diner and we're like, dude, let's go out. Let's go sell hammocks at the Earthworks Harvest Gathering this weekend, you know. Or And was it at two weeks, roughly two weeks, I think we had. And we didn't have near enough hammocks. And from what you thought, because you were just guessing, right? Yeah, we're guessing. We didn't know. We were like, we need a lot, you know we think people will buy them so we're like so let's go to earthworks harvest gathering and try to sell some hammocks and we knew it was two weeks to the event started and we knew that all the vendor spots would be filled so we drove out to the farm right after that diner experience that we had the idea and we drove out there and we just drove up to the farm and they're they're prepping for this festival at this time so it's coming soon we drove up and we're like we seen this guy with a beard long hair we're like hey do you know who runs this event and he's like i do seth bernard and we had we had a big toe to hammocks we're like we put them on the back the trunk of my car and we're like we're like we make these hammocks in lake city and we want to vend at your event this weekend and he's like you make these in lake city he's like and we're like, yeah, we make them in Lake City. He's like, you, right in Lake City, small town Lake City, you're making these hammocks. And we're like, yeah. And he, um, he's like, I'll get you a spot this weekend or next weekend. And uh, yeah, he he um called up someone and made it happen for us. He called up Wendy, which is like, she's in charge of the vendors at Earthworks, and she, all the spots were filled, so they gave us a spot. Like, it's on a path down to the main stage from like where all the vendors are so the spot that i had then i've had for the following two years and no i way. Have, it, have it this year now so um yeah i it's tradition to have this spot on the hill for me and so i'm not even with the vendors at earthworks but it's this spot and i, I just keep the spot going so that's incredible man yeah and but so we ended up going there two weeks later and we sold a ton of hammocks and it was like beyond where I thought we would sell. And I was still, I was still working for FedEx at this point. So I was like, Oh, I didn't know how to make Skyline a full-time job, but I wanted to make it a full-time job. So I was like, well, so we sold uh, enough at this event to 
think that I could make enough money to live off from Skylines. So I started thinking, I was like, well, we, we can make money off these events if I have enough of them. So I booked the following year, just booked a ton of events, spent a bunch of money on events. And uh, so I had my girlfriend working full time in the winter trying to book me events while I was at FedEx. And I worked at FedEx up till June and just dropped the job and started going to events and it was nerve wracking. Yeah. That's a scary transition. Yeah, and so like looking back then, you made that leap. You were uncomfortable. You didn't Very. know it. So yeah. I, I don't think I would have quit FedEx if my girlfriend wouldn't have told me to. Like I would have just hired people to go to events and do whatever I could. But my my girlfriend's like, just just do it, drop it and go. You can for always it. go back, right? Yeah, you, you yeah, that's that's another thing that people don't understand with taking risk. Like I don't know who said this, but I heard an entrepreneur say it may have been Tim Ferriss. He's he's an awesome guy to listen to, but he I think he said, look at like where you where you are when you want to take this leap and think about how you could get back to where you are right now. How, what would it take to get back to where you are? And I thought about it and I was like, how would it like because I had a good route at FedEx is making decent money, you know it's nothing crazy but it is more money than i've made before you know i'm just a small town kid didn't go to college or anything so you know it it was a safety net you know mm -hmm. i wasn't um you're comfortable there but if it's what could it take you a couple of years to get back to where you were or maybe longer it's i think it's worth it if you, yeah if you, if you think about it long enough right I mean, and to think about what your life would be like had you just stayed with FedEx. Yeah, so this morning I was driving up here. My route was Bel Air. So on the way up here, I pulled up to this stoplight that I'd, I'd pull up to every morning at FedEx right about the same time. And I just looked at it. I was like, I, I'm so glad I'm not there. So glad I'm not there. So, yeah, it was like a had a fresh reminder this morning. Yeah, it was real. I'm bad, man. It gives me chills. Yeah. Just to think that, you know, it, it takes a big leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, it does not. Just kind of follow the pull, you know, you start doing something that you love to do. You weren't saying, let's, you know, let's make as many as we can so we can sell as many. It's just, I think, you know, I just want this podcast to be a reminder to people that want to pursue their dreams that yeah. it's, it's challenging, but it's possible. Yeah, it's the little steps. It's just the little yeah. steps. And I'm, I'm not rich today by any means, but I have freedom. And I feel like that's one of the most important things in life is being a guardian of your own time, you know, because mm -hmm. our times are limited. Yeah, right. for sure. Very limited. Yeah. And so, I mean, just to sort of change the trajectory a little bit of the conversation and moving into eBay. Yeah. You're in Michigan for about half the year, is that right? Yeah, yeah, roughly half the year. And then And then what are you doing on the other half? So I just started this this winter. So I go I'm not gonna say where in North Carolina, but I go to North Carolina and um I buy and resell stuff on eBay and and this is something I've done since I was eighteen. I, I've been buying and selling stuff on eBay and I was making money at FedEx and that's that's how I kind of funded Skyline because Skyline had a, a decently expensive startup for me it seemed expensive and I um used that extra money that I um was making on uh eBay like I was just going to like garage sales and stuff when I was younger even yeah when I was working for FedEx I was always uh buying and selling stuff from garage sales on eBay and uh one of my friends 
did a little bit of eBay and just selling little stuff on eBay and, and you can you can make money doing it. Um anybody like should do it if you're if you want extra money. It's the quickest way I would say that I know to make a decent amount real quick. There, there's even shirts, if people selling clothes and stuff on there, clothes do sell. So just to distill it down from a pretty broad concept. Yeah. Um what is what does it mean to sell on eBay? Like, what is it from taking, you know, whether it's you're sourcing an item, you're listing it, and then you're shipping it, pretty yeah. much. Yep, yep. And so from the sourcing side of things, you're basically going to all these garage sales, thrift mm -hmm. stores, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of listing it, how does that work? So you, you're going to need to make sure the item's clean and uh, take pictures of it and list it and uh, just try to keep it simple with the listings. I think your items will sell if you focus a little bit of time and effort into it. So I met Tyler at Blissfest mm -hmm. this year and I had just donated a ton of stuff to Goodwill that I just, I knew that I could sell, but I didn't want to spend any effort or energy on selling it. And I, I came back after talking with you a little bit about eBay and was like, man, I should have just listed those items instead mm -hmm. of giving them all away and realized, you know, there's a lot of people like me that don't want to go through the hassle of trying to list things mm -hmm. and just are giving things away. And I, I uh, talked to the guy at Goodwill, they get, you know, 80, 75 to 80 donations a day. And our conversation um, at Blissfest was kind of like, you know, it's, it really depends on your demographic. Um, whether you're going to be able to be successful or not. I feel like the, the wealth that's in the area it really helps out with uh, your ability to source items to eBay. But um, I mean, a lot of people source stuff from source new things on eBay. I, I know a guy that's wealthy because he was doing that, but he was also selling on Amazon. Like wholesaling? Yeah, wholesaling, buying stuff from China and uh, selling it on Amazon and eBay. And that's just like starting any business. You're going to start small. But mm -hmm. I feel like if you're trying to make some extra money, anyone can, like people throw their throw TVs away and stuff. People that want to start out say they don't even have an eBay account. What does that look like in terms of starting? And then where could the future lead? You know, if you really pursue it, I don't think you get rich off it, but it's going to help. It could pay your rent or something real easy. If not real easy, but you're gonna put some work in, but it could, it could pay your rent or it can help you out. Um, it, it made it it's a great side passive income. Yeah, it made it easy for me to save when I was working and um, with not a high paying job, I was able to save quite a bit up to be able to start a business because all businesses um, are going to require startup costs and mm -hmm. it can get pricey. So um, yeah, the e I feel like eBay can really help with um, that the startup cost and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, getting into eBay, there, there's tons of stuff you can watch on YouTube, but I, I feel like the, the main thing you're going to just start up list some stuff you know and you might take some losses at first but you're gonna learn and uh, yeah like i said like people throw away like tvs and stuff and all this electronics and vintage antique stuff and like even parts off like a broken tv can be worth hundreds you know so um like people i've seen like flat screens on the side of the road and you know pick it up take some parts off it and make you know a few hundred bucks it's going to require some work but um it's, it comes down to like it's not going to take a full day's worth of work and i know a lot of people work for 80 bucks a day or even less you know or more but 
if it takes you a few hours to make a couple hundred bucks, I would say it's worth it, you know? Right. Yeah. It's And it's bring, it's taking back your time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not spending, you're not trading your time. In some ways you are, but not as much. It's not an hourly rate. It's, yeah. hey, I spent 20 minutes listing this item mm -hmm. and I made a couple hundred dollars off of it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I feel like it can it can be if you if you're doing things right you can make a, a good hourly wage so how did you refine your eye for items um so on eBay you can look up completed listings what's selling what's not this is a huge this thing. This, this is, is really really helpful this is everything you need to know <laughs> no but pretty much I mean for yeah, me starting out yeah, yeah so so I would go out usually with people and I what I was selling on eBay compared to them was a lot higher. And we all decided, all three of us that would go out doing this, we all decided that why I'm making so much more money is because I look up everything. Like, they, I would be like, hey, this is worth $300. And it's something you would be like, what? You know, like, that's worth $300. So there's only so much your mind can know, but there's there's millions of items out there you know and it's just these random weird items you know something odd can be worth a lot of money so what i think if you're trying to make a lot of money or not a lot of money but um make good money doing it look up everything look up look up stuff even if it's an old shirt that you don't think's worth money Look it up. Try to learn the value of everything. Could you give us an example of something that um, you found that you didn't think was worth anything? And yeah, so um, here here's one of a, a really good flip. I would say I um I was in a resale shop in Cadillac, Michigan, and it was after FedEx one day, and I walked in this resale shop and I seen a an old Burton jacket, you know Burton snowboard brand, mm -hmm. and it said Burton Entrant on it, and I was like, I wonder what that's worth. Like normally, it's it's a raggy, and it, it went raggedy, but it was in good shape. But it's it an old vintage coat. It doesn't look like it has value. But it was like the first Burton Team Riders jacket, like not not one of their jackets, but a replica of their jacket. And it they made them all that year or something like that. But I think it was five bucks for jackets at that particular resale shop. But it was half off that day. And so I bought that jacket for $2.50 and I seen one sold on eBay. So this goes back to the completed listings thing because you can look up sold listings on eBay too. But if you look up sold listings, you're only seeing what sold, what sold, but you're not seeing what didn't sell. When this, the reason why this is important is, you know, you could see, oh, this is selling, you know, or have an idea that this is selling, but really you're only seeing, you know, the past five yeah. months and there could be hundreds of listings that didn't sell yeah. of that same item. So it's, there could be like a ton of that item on the market, but nothing selling. yeah, there's thousands right. of them completed in one, one sold. out of every hundred. What are, the, right. what are you, the odds of you being that guy, you know? Right. So That's you listed. Important. Yeah. I listed, the, listed that jacket. I think. Was this yeah, so buy I it now or auction? Um, buy it now. So I seen one sold on auction for like $183, but it was one sold on auction. And a lot of times you got to be careful with auctions. Sometimes they can go for a lot less. So I put buy it now for uh, $350 on that jacket and sold it the next day. What? Yeah. So that's a good little. So you just were guessing. Yeah, just guessing with the buy it now there. And um, 
I think it was worth more than that, but um, that's what it sold for. Because if it sells quick like that, not a lot of people seen it and someone wanted it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so I had a listing yesterday. I buy it now for the Zion Crane, which is a stabilizer for your camera. Mm-hmm. And selling for $325. And they normally sell for 600 something. Yeah. I looked at it, asked the owner, you know, does it come with batteries? I didn't see batteries. They're like, yeah, it does. And then someone else bought it. And I was just slapping myself like, yeah, dang, I've done I missed out because that I could have just flipped that for $300 yeah, yeah. or I could have used it, you know, cause I wanted to use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, there's, um, there's definitely, you can actually make, st- make money buying stuff on eBay. It's selling it back on eBay. There's, there's people that are very good at that. Do you do that or no? no? Mm. Why not? I, I don't know enough about it. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it would take, it would take some time, but you could definitely, um, mm-hmm. You definitely learn how to do it. So, I mean, the Burton code example is just one of dozens of these. Yeah, lots of them. I've been right. doing it for a while. So, yeah. And I mean, that's incredible. That's 350 bucks. And, yeah. you know, you know what? Very little work. Um, hang it up on a hanger on a door, you know. And for me, so walking into a store, and I think new people as well, it's a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got hundreds and thousands of different clothing items, different things. Do you feel like you have like a mental filter then for specific brand names or like you said, these weird off brand items Mm -hmm. Um, and Tyler and I are actually going to go around today Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to learn a little bit out in the field. But yeah, I mean, what what would you say to those people? It's like, you know, it's overwhelming. There's so much out there. There's millions of items. Um, Where do I start? Off the bat, your your mind knows a lot of items that, you know, are worth money and uh most of them items, other people are going to know that they're worth money too. So them ones are going to be hard to find. You're going to have to spend a lot of time in resale shops to find them, them common items that you know are worth money, but you can find them. And I found lots of, you know, Bose headphones, Bose stuff. And some items you, you think are worth money that aren't, you know, like, uh, there's just a lot of it on the market, you know, like brands like Ralph Lauren and stuff. There's so much of it. It's, and you think it'd be worth something because it's a hundred dollars for a dresser? Aren't they like fifty to a hundred dollars? I'm a not dresser? sure. Yeah, but they're expensive to buy, but the resale resale value on them is horrible. So you're gonna have to learn what items are worth a lot and mm-hmm. what items are not. And that just comes from looking up completed listings. You're, that's that's your teacher. And that's your go-to, you know, ten years later too. Mm-hmm. Completed listings, you know. Yeah. And everybody has access to that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a smartphone, it definitely makes it easier when mm-hmm. you're out and about. Yeah, um, that, that's that's the tool. You definitely need a. I would say, you need a smartphone, or you're just it's going to be a slow learning process. And most mm-hmm. of us have one at this point. I would right. say. I think for me, the drive with eBay and the reason that it was so appealing to me is that it's kind of like a treasure hunt. I mean, it's yeah. for me. I mean, I love going to thrift stores and looking for things, but as I started to sort of develop a little bit more of a minimalistic lifestyle, mm-hmm. I had no desire to go buy more things mm-hmm. and I still love the process, but yeah. now I've basically ch- turned it into a money making endeavor. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I'm getting to go thrifting, but now I'm getting paid to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really fun. Mm-hmm. That, that is, yeah, it is like a little treasure hunt. Um, and I mean, you gotta be careful. <clears throat> Otherwise you're going to end up with a lot of stuff, a lot of junk that doesn't sell. Yeah. So definitely, if you're trying to not end up with a lot of junk, 
look for them completed listings that they're all so when you look at completed listings they're <clears throat> red or green and the red ones are the ones that didn't sell or i've seen some some people's apps it's black and green but the unsold listings are black and the sold listings are green so look for completed listings that have a ton of green mm-hmm. and that's that's where you're not going to end up with junk it's going to sell quick yeah i mean and like you said it's not going to necessarily you're not necessarily going to make a living off of this but mm-hmm. it's going to be a nice passive side project yeah you know just to kind of go through some of the other details of it a little quickly um how would you when would you recommend auction bid versus buy it now um i recommend a lot of buy it nows and when you're auction bids i would here's an example i found a um a ralph lauren vest a down vest is a is ferrari racing ralph lauren down vest and i bought it for five bucks and i um I was on eBay and I seen one listing for $30 and I was like one completed sold listing for $30 and I was like well let's list this thing for 40 bucks and hopefully someone will buy it but then I was like well there's only one sold on eBay and so there was one on eBay and one person bought it so someone listed a that very similar vest different color but and it sold for 30 bucks so I was like, this vest is rare. So I'm like, I don't know the value of this. So let's auction it off. And <clears throat> I auctioned it off and it went for like a rate right around $150. So, um, Damn. yeah, that's a, that's a good little flip. It, and I wouldn't have known that it was worth that much if I didn't auction it off. And I mean, I made the mistake of every item I listed was for auction. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to sneak in last second buy your bid for the, mm-hmm. last, for the least amount one thing i would say about them auctions you can set reserves but the buyer sees that there's a reserve for it mm. but at least that kind of makes it safe for you that you're not gonna your item ain't gonna sell for two bucks you know right and then for ebay so ebay fees i was kind of looking into that a little bit mm-hmm. they take nine to four to nine percent or something mm-hmm. like that depending on your store that yeah you pay, pay into um and so i think the tier that i have is like nine percent per so i was saying thinking you know say i sell something for a hundred dollars they're taking nine percent of that yeah they're also charging me a listing fee if i'm over the amount of listings that Mm -hmm. i'm allotted so say you make you know a thousand dollars one month yeah how much are you actually making you know if you're if they're taking it depends on them on the store right yeah um so I have a store subscription and that, that'll lower your fees a little bit, but still eBay is going to take a percentage and a lot of people are going to be bummed about that, you know, but I look at it as it's the only, it's the only, I mean, there might be some other platforms, but it's a platform that you can sell items throughout the entire nation or even the world, you know, so eBay. They have the marketplace. Yeah, they have the marketplace. So I would say 10% is worth it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, you can be upset about that, but it's, I think it's, I think what it's well they're it. offering is worth it. And, right. um, whatever they're doing with that money, that's their business. And, that, um, that was my curiosity just in terms of you, because you're doing that a lot, much larger scale than I mm-hmm. am. So I imagine there's more fees. Yeah, there, there is some high fees that, that fee could be 
my biggest bill for the month sometimes you know it's mm-hmm. uh especially if you're you're selling quite a bit on ebay like that that's what i do in the winter part of the winter i, I do some traveling but um i do it because i enjoy it it's it's fun it's like you mentioned it's a treasure hunt Thanks again to Tyler for being on the show today. If you want to learn more about Tyler or his company, Skyline Hammocks, definitely check out the links in the description where I've linked his website and other social media sites. If you enjoyed listening to the show today, please consider sharing it with a friend. Are you or someone you know looking for an easy way to bring in some money on the side? Definitely don't hesitate to reach out to Tyler or myself and we can share some of the things we've learned by making our own mistakes uh, selling things on eBay. The Saul Good Media Podcast is produced and edited by me, Solomon Harvey, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to be curious and to listen. If you'd like to support the work that I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com where you can search Saul Good Media, and Patreon is a way for creators like me to connect with the fans like you that want to support the work I'm doing. Basically, you set up an account, choose the amount of money you'd like to pledge each month, and the money goes towards equipment, travel, and other expenses that help me produce this show. A special thanks to everyone who has already become a patron. It really means so much, so I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Saul Good Media Podcast. I'm Solomon Harvey. Have a Saul Good week. Peace.